Welcome to Prepare to Care. We're an AARP caregiving podcast aimed at bringing you free information, free resources, and free tools to support you and your family caregiving needs. I'm Eddie Oram and I'm your host. Thank you for joining us. Did you know that the typical Asian American caregiver is approximately 49.3 years of age? And on an average, are typically married or living with a partner They typically care for a parent or parent-in-law who is 69 and typically suffering from long-term physical conditions. These statistics are to just give us an idea of what the Asian American caregivers like. But today we have actual people who can give us their experiences. I'd like to welcome Jenny Jo, who is helping to take care of her 100-year-old mother-in-law. Welcome, Jenny. Thank you, Eddie. So glad to be here. It's certainly our pleasure. And we also have Wanda Choi, who was a caregiver for her mother-in-law, who just recently passed away. And Wanda, we give our condolences to you. Thank you. Thank you. Certainly. Let me first of all ask, uh, Jenny, can you tell us about who you cared for and how long your journey was, in your own words? <laughs> certainly. I We are caring for my 103-year-old mother-in-law. She first came to stay with us uh, back in 1990 when she was widowed. And she speaks no English. Uh, she's very quiet. She's cooperative but, and frugal, and she really likes a schedule. And during that time, she's really taken care of herself. She's, she lived with us for 15 years, and then she moved to the oldest son's house and has been staying there. And she really doesn't want to be a burden. She's more or less been taking care of herself up until just this year when she fell. And so uh, we've had to give her 24 seven care. And uh, it's been uh, it's been a burden, but yet at the same time, it's been a blessing as well because her daughters have been able to come in and help alternating uh, every other month coming in. And then we have our turn here as well, too. But um, it's, it's, uh, it's been a good challenge. We've certainly, I personally was her taking her to the doctor all these years. I know her, her medical records the best. She's, uh, she's, uh, everything she's she's been dependent upon us and her children really for all her medical care well jenny thank you for sharing with us and and we look forward to hearing more about your journey more about the challenges now wanda also um we understand that in the asian american community many families feel like it's something that they must do out of responsibility uh can you speak more to that and and also share with us some of your challenges? Well, quite honestly, when I got married, I kind of already assumed that my husband and I would be caring for his mother eventually, because traditionally, the oldest son would take in the mother or parents uh, in due time when necessary. And so though my mother-in-law was a widow at an early age, she was very independent. So she lived on her own for quite a long time. She worked within her home, uh, care, uh, caring for children, including my own. And uh, so 
she was a very uh, self-sustaining woman. And yet, uh, in for the last nine years, almost 10 years, we combined uh, households. Um, at that time, we felt like at uh, 88 years old, we felt like she needed not to be in a home all by herself. And so uh, each of us sold our homes and we combined to a new home and we lived together. So for the first six years or so, she was still quite uh, able. She took care of her own personal needs. Uh, my husband started a garden so that they could enjoy that together. And uh, she helped with the cooking. And so we were pretty uh, well established. Uh, she also enjoyed being sociable. So we took her to church and she enjoyed that fellowship as well. But only as the last three years uh, when she had a stroke, then things got a little more difficult. So I will have to say that though some people consider it a burden uh, as an extra responsibility in the family uh, structure, uh, I had already prepared myself. I had told my husband from the very beginning, if need be, we will live and care for your mother together. And so we have. So. Well, excellent. Wanda, how much do you think that cultural expectation is true today? Well, I really still feel in our Houston uh, China, Asian community, I think many still feel that uh, desire. And many of my mother-in-law's uh, generation somewhat expect that from their children. And they would prefer to be with their children rather than uh, be placed in a facility, perhaps, or uh, be left alone. Uh, so they do lean upon, I think, the, their own family to be the uh, main caregivers for their, for them in their old age. And Jenny, would you also say that that kind of cultural expectation is, is still true today to some extent? Absolutely, absolutely. And even for my mother-in-law, she speaks no English. And so it would be a real, uh, you know, not even possible for her to be in a home or anything because we, I'm bilingual as is the rest of her family. And so we, she depends upon us for, for everything. And uh, so it would be hard to send her anywhere. Yes. Excellent. I, I, Research tells us that that was once true. It's really good to know that 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 cultural expectation is still real. It's somewhat true in the African-American family as well, not as culturally um, to the extent that it is in the Asian-American community. But ladies, tell me something else. What kind of challenges did you have and how did you resolve those challenges? Jenny, let's begin with you. I think um, one of the challenges uh, for my mother-in-law was she takes about 15 meds because she's a cardiac patient and along with vitamins and stool softeners over the counter things. And so uh, when she was able to pretty much do things for herself, we had this numbering system for her meds and because all those long names and, uh, and uh, just, just to coordinate that. Oh, the doctor said to tweak this, take a, take this one once a day instead of twice a day. And so we had to use a numbering system and just be uh, creative on how we communicated that to her without her knowing how to read the bottle, you know, or, or take the medicine. Excellent. And Wanda, what, what kind of challenges have you experienced and how did you resolve those? 
Well, quite honestly, like I said, the first six years that we were living together, uh, she pretty much took care of everything. Even though my mother-in-law was uh, predominantly Chinese speaking, she would write out her meds on her medicine uh, uh, containers in Chinese. So she would know when to take them and all. Now, in the last three years, my husband has handled that. And uh, for myself, I am not bilingual. Uh, I know very little Chinese, uh, so I do depend on my husband to uh, interpret his mother's uh, desires or thoughts. But in general, we could communicate uh, with a little bit of Chinglish here and a little bit of <laughs> my broken Chinese there. And so we, we were able to get along. Um, I think that it helped a lot that we had a, a pretty good relationship, uh, even when we weren't living together. And uh, however, I will say one thing that came up as she got older. Now, my mother-in-law passed away after, uh, at 97. So, you know, those last years, we saw a, a steady decline, you know, mentally. And sometimes there were episodes of almost like a paranoia that she would imagine things. And so she would get a little bit irritated and she might make accusations that were sometimes difficult to take because we knew they weren't true. But um, I think that mainly we had to keep a level head about it, that she was not thinking clearly and to uh, give her uh, the benefit of a doubt that she was going through some internal turmoil. And so just to keep her calm and not fight back or, or act uh, disrespectful, but to give her time to cool down, sometimes just to appease her and uh, try to, you know, keep things on an even keel. Those were some of the difficulties. Well, and that's excellent to know because we find ourselves many times uh, realizing that it's not our care receiver who we need to change or bring to reality but it's us who needs to change and understand their reality. So we change how we react as they go through the different stages that yeah. they go through. Yeah. Now, we have many people who say that as a caregiver, they really at times feel alone and feel as though they're doing things by themselves. Uh, have you ladies ever experienced that? If you did, uh, how did you relate to that? I know both of you have, have given us information about you had someone in your home and I know, Jenny, I believe you talked about having siblings who also helped. But right. tell us about feeling alone. Have you experienced that? Or what kind of advice can you give to those who may feel that they're alone? Well, I would say for that being alone, uh, just reach out and to family members to see if they're willing to help. I think that's been our greatest uh, treasure in that, that uh, my mother-in-law's children as well as my own siblings have been willing to help us and so and just to say i need some help can you help you know whatever and uh so we have many support around us so it it thank god that's been helpful and i would say even reaching out to neighbors that helps just to kind of when you need to walk outside or take a break to see the neighbors and to see what's going on outside in the world and the community. Well, let me also ask, um, do you feel that there are enough resources out in the community 
that can serve specifically for the Asian American community. Wanda, let's go with you. Okay. Once again, uh, I was very. We are very fortunate to have uh, my husband's siblings do help us in different ways. They, even though two of them were out of the out of the state, they were you know constantly uh, calling their mother and lending support in any way possible. Likewise, we have um, we ha we eventually did hire a, a caregiver that lived in with us for five days a week, and she was excellent. Now, we, she was exceptional because she did speak Chinese. She could cook Chinese uh, foods, and she had had experience caregiving other Chinese ladies. So uh, there aren't that many, uh, in even in the Chinese community uh, here in Houston. And um, so, again, the language is a difficulty. But uh, I will have to say that there are some uh, more resources uh, being, I guess, generated in our community. Also, uh, there is a Chinese community center that has activities. If your uh, senior uh, loved one is able to participate, there are things that could be done there. Also, we have several Chinese churches. My mother-in-law enjoyed going, attending our Chinese church uh, whenever she was able, uh, uh, before she became more, uh, dependent upon a wheelchair. And so um, just that uh, socialization. Now, again, Chinese are often very traditional. And so they don't want to appear needy or uh, they they still have this attitude of saving face. They, they want to be accepted and respected with dignity and treated thus so. And so it, it was very important to maintain that kind of uh, appearance. But as uh, whenever possible, I think that uh, my mother-in-law enjoyed being among other Asians and enjoying the uh, atmosphere of uh, special celebrations and so forth. So there are limited resources, but hopefully more are being generated. Excellent. Uh, Jenny, would you like to tell us um, other than just the resources that we have out there and Wanda chime in as well, uh, what kind of advice would you give to the Asian American community regarding caregiving? And it's certainly hopeful to know that there is a community set of resources and set of expectations that deal specifically with the cultural needs. But how would we find those resources if we're in the community? Um, I will admit that I'm not very familiar with um, resources available to the specifically for the Asian Americans. I've primarily depended upon just the the resources for everyone. Our primary care doctor, the uh, home health care uh, places, and even to some degree hospice. We had even had to talk to hospice at one point, and uh, so. But I've primarily gone, I do a lot of research myself and ask my siblings as well. And so we kind of do that. So I'm not so familiar with anything specific to Asian Americans. And that's so wonderful to hear that Wanda found someone that spoke Chinese and cooked meals and everything, because that is tremendous. I had early on, we had tried to find somebody to help come in. 
and we didn't find anyone. And so we just had to end up doing it ourselves. Right. right. To hear that we have the Asian community resources. Uh, it's also good to know that there are other resources available to the general community that are also helpful. And let me say that ARP has a prepare to care guide that lends itself toward uh, caregiving in the Asian American community, uh, as well as in the LGBT community, as well as in the African American community. So we, we invite our listeners to listen to what you've said, two very good sets of experiences and resources. Now, ladies, before we end uh, and before I, I thank you both, is there anything that we've missed that you would like to say to our audience? Well, I will add that we also uh, did um, <clears throat> participate in hospice care towards the uh, last few years of my mother's life. And, you know, being in the home, we were able to supervise. So even though the caregivers were not Chinese speaking or uh, Asian uh, in, in descent, we were able to be that that intermediator for my mother-in-law. So it was really helpful because they would take care of my mother in special mother-in-law in special ways. And the ladies that did come were excellent. I will have to say uh, our, uh, one of our bath assistants was uh, African-American, but she was so genuine and so caring. She actually learned some of the, the phrases in Chinese, at least to understand what we were going through. <laughs> or the instructions that we would be giving my mother-in-law. And then uh, the nurse that checked in with my mother-in-law, she likewise was excellent. So I think that even though uh, we may not have specific Asian caregivers, um, I think the family surrounding helped a lot to uh, bring in those resources. And it's not, there's nothing wrong with that because it can be overwhelming at times. So I really like Jenny had mentioned, reach out. There are resources that can help you. Uh, it's, it's very difficult when you feel like you are the only one uh, doing the caregiving. Well, excellent. That's, that's been really good advice. And, and let me say also that, that, I encourage everyone to seek out hospice. Yes, um, yes. My father was a part of hospice. Mm -hmm. And had I known a lot about hospice, my first initial thought would have been to say, we don't need it. We're connected to all those resources. Right. Luckily, I didn't know a lot about hospice. We said yes. And it's one of the best things we did for my father. Yes. Uh, ladies, again, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing and to our audience. Thank you for listening. Let me say that we encourage all of you to listen and follow our Prepare to Care podcast. You can find us at aarp.org slash Houston DTC and subscribe to our podcast on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash C slash AARP Texas. Thank you for listening. And as always, thank you for caring.